Today's episode of No Bed of Roses is brought to you in part by Belgian Beer Me, beer tours specializing in, you guessed it, beer tours of Belgium. What could be more fun than going to the home of Trappist beer? Nothing. That's what. You'll visit some of the finest breweries, beer cafes, abbeys, and beer festivals in Belgium. All tours begin and end in Belgium and range between 6 and 10 days. Tours are led by Belgian beer expert Stu Stewart, who has been leading beer tours for more than 10 years and is an honorary knight of the Brewers MASH staff. That's right, a beer tour led by a flippin' knight. For details and a complete list of tours, visit belgianbeerme.com. And be sure to follow Belgian Beer Me on Facebook and Instagram. No Bed of Roses is brought to you by Connexus. Maybe your company is creating video content or you're a brand looking for that coveted direct connection with viewers. Maybe you're an established YouTube creator or you're just starting out. Connexus Interactive Web Video Solutions enables viewers while watching your videos to simply tap on the items they're interested in, directly connecting them to the merchant's shopping cart to easily purchase those items. This all happens without ever leaving the video experience and without ever leaving the site where they started watching the video in the first place. Connexus shoppable video content works using any browser on any device. No download, no plugin, nothing to install. Interactive video like you've always wanted it. Find out more at connexus.com. That's K-E-N-X-U-S dot com. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a minute since our last episode, due in no small part to my day job as a recruiter with Goodwin Recruiting. The founder and CEO of that company is Eric Goodwin, and he's our guest today. This was not an easy session to schedule. Eric and I have been trying to make this happen since October of 21. Crazy. Goodwin grew up in a restaurant family and, typical to that lifestyle, didn't see his dad very much unless he worked back of house with him. Yep, he really started his career as a dishwasher. Eric was determined not to have that kind of life for his own family, which he'll touch on today. Once he got into multiple units, Eric quickly saw an opportunity for competent, effective and communicative recruiters, and Goodwin Hospitality, eventually to become Goodwin Recruiting, was born. Having launched a few different businesses over the years, Eric is a bit of a serial entrepreneur, and if that's not enough, he's also a restaurant operator with The Friendly Toast in Cambridge, Mass., and Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Noble Coffee, also in Portsmouth, and this just in, Eric's got a craft donut concept coming later this summer. He just can't help himself. Here's Eric. I was shaving this morning and thinking of you because that's where you are in my life, Eric. I mean, it's intimate that way. So I'm listening <laughs> as you should be. I'm listening. I'm listening to. N- I'm listening to NPR, and there, there's a story on a small coffee shop. I want to say in Madison, Wisconsin. 
guy was a barista and coffee nerd for 10 plus years on his own and his dream was to open his own place right finally right. does it and of course the the shit hits the fan with the with the pandemic and we all know we all know that story uh about i want to say like somewhere early in the pandemic he said it's got a staff of six eric they get the idea to organize and go union in this little in this little coffee joint huh. and ouch Ouch, right? Okay. And they do yeah. it. They pull it off. They pull it off. Hmm. And so here's this guy who is clearly leading with his heart. This is his live stream. He's got some mm-hmm. silent partners. And these uh, and these baristas and his staff successfully three to two vote, right? By one person, they, they unionize. And now this guy has to get his his schedules everything has to go through you know this young lady who's his shop steward now so i'm listening to this eric and i almost cut my throat with my with my razor and i'm thinking how can this happen right so and he doesn't know he also had to sign a thing eric where he's guarantees a 50 cent an annual 50 cent raise right and he said, I don't know if we're barely, yeah. we're barely hanging on. So I wanted to ask you, just kind of just jumping into the deep end of the pool, because you not only are you the CEO and founder of Goodwin Recruiting, which started as Goodwin Hospitality uh, because of your roots in the restaurant business, which I want to talk to you about, uh, but you're also an operator. With a guy like you, with your experience, a, a story like this, what do you think? In terms of unionizing in general or just sort of uh, another component to the I, challenging work environment? I, I think, sure. You know, uh, I mean, both. I mean, to me, it was shocking that a small business person, a small and independent right. operator is subject mm-hmm. to something like this. This is somebody who who is what? Employing six to a dozen people. Right. And mm-hmm. he's had to cut, of course, his compensation, Eric. It just is kind of it seemed like everything that's everything that's wrong with business to me just rolled up in one. But what's what's your take on that? Again, as a guy who grew up in the business, as a guy who's currently operating multiple units, what, what do you think of something like that? Right. So, so two sides to that equation. One is, I think, in hospitality, you know, restaurants, hotels, that, that world, I think, Historically, it's been uh, the employee has been uh, underappreciated, undervalued, uh, underbenefited, uh, undercompensated relative to the, you know, the hard work, the long hours, you know, all of that sort of thing. So it doesn't surprise me totally. And I know that Starbucks is a movement going on in there for, you know, unionizing there as well. So um, on that side of it, you know, I, I guess I understand it, you know, and I'll get to that a little bit on, on my approach at the Friendly Toast. But uh, so that that's one side sort of being, you know, a, a pro employee person in general. For me, it's all about the team, right? All about having an incredible experience and, um, you know, our team, you know, all driving in the same direction because they care, they're passionate, they're happy, they're balanced, you know, all that sort of thing. So um, I, I get it and I get I get the underpinning sentiment of, you know, hospitality people, you know, dating back to whatever who feel like, you know, it's like a hospitality world and there's the whole rest of the world and they're kind of on an island when it comes to this sort of thing. So I I get that. That being said, as a business owner, just in general, I've always been opposed to unions and and hope it doesn't offend anyone, but it's just my opinion. But, 
you know, the reason for that is I feel like unions served a purpose in the 20s and 30s and the Industrial Revolution where, you know, there was, you know, bad lighting. People were losing limbs in machine shops and business owners and companies and manufacturers that were taking advantage. It was just a very unhealthy environment to work in. So I think it was wise then. It was needed um, and all that. But in the modern age, I understand that they're in place to protect the employee, perhaps against unscrupulous or you know, companies that, you know, take advantage of people and all that. I understand, but I kind of think that's probably the minority out there. I think by and large, most companies, at least in spirit, you know, want to take care of their people and and want to be good employers. And there are a whole bunch of other laws in place, you know, uh, around all of that. Uh, So I I kind of feel like they're an outdated kind of thing. And in the construction world in particular, someone who builds restaurants, you know, is already a very challenging environment when you have to build a restaurant in a in a unionized city with a unionized contractor. It escalates your price by around forty percent just for the exact same business that you have to build somewhere else. And you know, those those numbers and cash over cash year over year, it's hard to monetize that down the road. So as a business person, I think it just complicates things. I'm not a big fan of it. And I think it's a little bit of an outdated concept for this person. You know, I obviously, I feel bad for them, uh, that sort of thing. I, you know, for me, if if employers do the right thing every day, you know, and take care of the team, it's not really needed. I think the tendency, Eric, is to think unions, to think large scale, right? Companies of a few hundred right. people or more, right. uh, where, where maybe, right. uh, you know, maybe uh, workers are being taken advantage of. I mean, we all heard the stories about mm-hmm. line workers mm-hmm. at, at uh, Amazon having to pee in a bottle, they're not getting breaks, that kind of thing, right? So egregious, egregious right. violations. Right. But this is, uh, you know, this is... Uh, right. uh, this is a, a mom and pop without mom. It's just pop. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, very it, surprising. Right. It's a, it doesn't get much smaller. And here's a guy who, and if you listen to it, I mean, I don't have a clip, but if you listen to it, Eric, it clearly passionate, leading with his heart, blindsided mm-hmm. by this because he, he, he himself was mm-hmm. a barista, right? And, and had come up that mm-hmm. way. And so I just heard that this morning and I thought, wow, man, I mean, uh, it, the pendulum can swing hard both ways. And that kind of <laughs> leads me uh, back, Eric, to you started Goodwin 23 years ago, right? Do we have that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. And, right. And it started, it's Goodwin Hospitality. Here's here's mm-hmm. my here's my spiel. But so in my spiel, Eric, I talk about Eric Goodwin, our CEO and founder, uh, started the company 23 years ago, grew up in the restaurant business, didn't see his dad much unless he was working back of house in the kitchen with him. Typical restaurant story. Uh, When he got to multi-units, he hired recruiters and he found them to be a bunch of knuckleheads. They didn't do what they said. They couldn't communicate. And Eric said, the heck with this and started Goodwin and hasn't looked back. That's actually almost verbatim my spiel. Am I getting any of that (laughs) right or is is that wrong that's that's a spot on distilled it down perfectly well said awesome awesome so that's that's how i set it up now that's easy for me to say in 30 seconds eric uh that's that's 23 years of your life in goodwin alone plus the front end in your family restaurant business so flash forward to where we are right now and this is probably a 30,000 foot question for you, but how has the business changed from when you got into it to where you are right now, Eric? And what do you think is coming down the road? You know, lots of things have changed since 1999. Um, and I would say probably the biggest change from 30,000 feet, zooming out a little bit, 
is the technology aspect of it and job boards and things along those lines. So I'm, I'm really dating myself here, but originally, you know, I would utilize newspapers <laughs> to one of those <laughs> and uh, right. for, you know, to place ads for candidates. It's, I mean, that's one, one strategy to, um, you know, build my candidate database and, and get to see candidates. So that's completely dead and gone. Then the job boards came out and recruiting, you know, folks were on job boards before companies were on job boards. So then that, you know, took a year or two for companies to start to place ads themselves on job boards, uh, that sort of thing. And even the whole job board space changes all the time in terms of who the players are, what the technology is and all that. So that world, you know, keeps changing fast. Um, uh, and that's really, you know, I think, uh, you know, something that's that's changed a lot in the business overall. But, you know, I'm always a big believer in relationship building. And um, I always recommend the book, The Go-Giver. And it's just a way that you're networked out there. You're building relationships. You're doing good things for people. Um, you know, you're present in your, you know, your business community. Uh, and you're out there, um, you know, people know who you are and what you do. And then naturally people come to you. And if you're doing a good job with your clients, good job with your candidates, you know, people just naturally start to refer people to you if you're known as the expert in your area. So that, 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 you know, that part hasn't changed, but the technology piece has changed a lot. And for us in particular, going from by myself, working desk by myself and you know, I, I would do, um, you know, I'd do the invoicing and the bookkeeping and I'd do my marketing and, you know, send out letters and all I sort of wore a bunch of different hats. And as we started to grow, I'd do the training while I was, you know, um, doing my own billing and, you know, just like a juggler, you know, uh, juggling rings of fire all the time. And, uh, but, you know, now as we've built the team out over time, you know, we've been fortunate, um, you know, we have, you know, siloed kind of responsibilities. We have a IT person, we've got, you know, a sophisticated business and finance office, we've got a marketing department, we've got, you know, a pretty, you know, sizable training you know, department and marketing department with client support and, and all that. So over the years, you know, building the infrastructure, yeah, has been a challenge for me as a business person, an entrepreneur and learning to let go and, you know, allowing others' ambitions and intelligence to imprint onto the business. But, you know, that was the best thing I ever did. But let me interrupt you there for a, for a second, Eric, because that's a, yeah. a boatload. Yeah. And and I love it yeah. again, <laughs> again, because you're you're there's mom and pop without mom. It was you. It was you just right. doing this. Right. So you have this phenomenal go from right. you go from one to 265 plus pro recruiters right now and and the infrastructure mm -hmm. your the corporate team was there a point yeah. for you Eric just kind of on the entrepreneur tip here was there a point for you where you where you just thought what the hell am I doing <laughs> this is did you <laughs> you're laughing like there were hey Jeff there were many points <laughs> like that what was there a time like that yeah it was you know I started to sort of listen to my internal compass when I felt like I was sort of like doing too many things, master of none, like I was doing things, you know, mediocre, whether it was my client relationships or Canada or my own personal billing or, you know, whatever, whatever aspects of the business. And I, and I always just say, I'm waiting for the business to tap me on the shoulder or yell at me and tell me, Hey, you need to do this, you know, start, you know, have a, a an operator, an area director, uh, you know, then we get to C, C level things, you know, it was just, 
you know, over time, you know, the, the business tells you if you're paying attention, tells you what it, what it needs. Um, Jessica, who's our vice president of training, she tells me or looks back, I don't know if it's fondly or not, but we'll, says that, it, you know, all the leaders have gone through a form of hazing, which, which I think she means nicely, but meaning I wanted everyone to juggle a lot and do a lot, you know, almost like a rite of passage. You know, I went through all of that. And for me as a, as a dishwasher, you know, a line cook, you know, a poor college student, you know, that sort of thing, learning how to scale, learning how to delegate, learning how to trust other people, you know, was a big part of my professional development. But I realized when I started to do that, that's when the business blossomed and grew. You know, when you when you hire smart people, smarter than I am, uh, and let let the horses out of the barn, so to speak, that's when a business can really grow. So when things aren't limited to my eight-hour workday, whatever the day the time is, you know, when when you allow that to happen and you create an environment where that team is emotional, you know, you're hitting an emotional paycheck and a financial paycheck everyone's rowing in the same direction. If you can create that kind of environment, then the business is off and running. But, you know, we were stymied. I only cared about two things. One is the balance of life, which is why I left, you know, hospitality so I could be a great dad and my dad goals. I didn't, I had zero plans to grow or scale, not, not a single one. So I didn't care about that. Um, and then the second side of it was on the side of, of um, high quality work. So I, I've always said, you know, I've tapped the brake several times on growth. If I felt like, you know, our core values or our quality experience was getting compromised because of our size. So I, I've, I've always told the team that I'd rather be smaller and more effective than large and mediocre. You know, there are times when I've tapped the brakes on, on growth. But um, for me, I have to say, Jeff, I'm very fortunate because I've been allowed, you know, coming from the hospitality world, uh, working a lot, tons of hours and all that, that the work, the hard work that I put in at Good and Recruiting in terms of hours and weekends and all that um, still isn't the same as, you know, people who are grinding out 70, 75 hours a week, you know, in the hospitality ops world. So I've been fortunate there. And, um, you know, the good news is, if you know, you work smart, you build great relationships, you know, you use your time effectively, which I think I do. I focus on the right things, measurable kind of things, you know, I've been able to do it, you know, while achieving a great quality of life balance at the same time, which to me is the greatest gift of all, you know. So nice. I always tell the team like I want it all, I want it all. I want I want both the balance, you know, and for me that was around my parenting goals. In my short tenure and my experience, you've touched on this, and I think you said work-life balance like three or four times just now, and you, that you attain that. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, because part of my spiel also when I'm talking to candidates and even clients, is work-life balance is no longer just a talking point. It's a real thing, and it's in the top three pretty consistently of what people are looking for. So again, you mentioned mm -hmm. it a few times in your estimation. And now we know you just shared with us, you achieved it. Do you mm -hmm. think in the world of recruiting right now, that that is something that is legitimately attainable for people, for candidates, Eric, to actually attain true work-life balance? In terms of good in recruiting, I'm really proud of, you know, we were sort of out ahead of the work from home, you know, kind of thing. And the whole thing was around, the whole concept was around, um, you know, kind of taking people from the hospitality life and, you know, moving people to a different way of life, right? But um, I think in terms of, a, you know, 
you know, particularly post-pandemic, the work-life balance has moved probably to the top of the list, right? I think the millennials started that in general, right? They wanted it all. <laughs> they wanted, they wanted to be paid well. They wanted work-life balance. They wanted to travel. Yeah, well, but, now, hold, hold, but hold on, Eric, because you, you just said the millennial, millennials, you said it just a few minutes ago, I wanted it all, right? I want it all. Yeah. So right, you're not a right. millennial. I think <laughs> there's the through millennials, line. Millennials, <laughs> yeah. I think the millennials, yeah, I think the millennials really brought it to the forefront of this particular generation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that when you look at the statistics, you, you, you read that money is the third most important part of an equation for someone, you know, to be job happy. That's where companies miss the boat, in my opinion, um, where what are the other two things that are the most important kind of thing. So that's what I try to focus on as a business leader, you know, all three of those components, you know, but that being said, I think for a candidate, um, you know, it, it really depends on the client, Jeff, you know, what their culture is like, what their core values are like, you know, uh, what their schedule expectations are and, and all of that. So I think that really is on a case to case basis. We, of course, like to align ourselves with great clients, great companies, great organizations that do what they say they're going to do and treat their people great. But, um, you know, I think for candidates, you know, I think it's a non-negotiable now going into, you know, a new job. I think people expect, you know, a healthy work-life balance. You see where Google just moved to a four-day work week. So, you know, that whole movement has, you know, been in play for a while, but I think post-pandemic more more so than ever. Eric, I know that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is something that is important to you and important, therefore, to Goodwin. Is it possible to make true DEI a reality when we know in the world that clients have a specific worldview, a specific point of view, a specific need that may not necessarily align with true diversity, equity, and inclusion? So do you think that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is also something that is more than a talking point these days? And is it something that is truly attainable in your estimation? That's a great question. Do I think that we'll ever achieve or, you know, the next five years, you know, in terms of not not just our company, but our clients' companies and just the general business landscape, achieve perfection there? No, I don't. I think we, there's a, there are a lot of issues out there and a lot of problems out there, right? So that being said, I think a company that is committed to that um, under, really understands it, really listens. Um, I think you can really move the dial there. And there are two sides to this equation too. One is just the sort of moral human issue around it and uh, you know discovering unconscious bias um, and being aware, right? Um, which, you know, we've done a lot of self-discovery around that. We have an amazing team around that. I, I've learned, you know, so much, um, and all that, uh, side note, I started, um, maybe 15 years ago or so I started two new job board websites. One was called diversity and And one was called women which were, you know, focused on those groups for, you know, companies that were, you know, searching and sort of uh, progressive and, and the diversity space um, kind of thing. So this is something that's been on my mind for a long time, you know, sort of, you know, before the Black Lives Matter movement and, and, uh, and, and some of the issues that we see in the, in the world now that are, are all great. But uh, I think that companies that um, you, they, you can look at it on one side that sort of holistically and altruistically, which is super important. Then the other side, if you're just going to look at it in a way that just what makes sense for business, right, uh, it's good business too, right? So 
we find that a lot of our clients want to align themselves with other companies who are progressive in the DEI space, right? So if you don't have a DEI program, if you're not inclusive, if your culture is not diverse and all that sort of thing, then people don't want to do business with you, which is fantastic. So there's movement, but in progress, but I think there's a long way to go. You know, I think, you know, that that whole world has come a long way, but I think there's still a lot of bias out there, a lot of prejudice out there. And, um, you know, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately, but we're going to do our part. And I know a lot of companies that work hard to do their part to be, you know, an inclusive, um, you know, properly cultured, you know, company. Do you think, Eric, uh, an approach is, uh, it is a conversation by conversation, kind of what we would say in the, in the restaurant, you know, guest, guest by guest, every cover by cover, or is it just you know, broad strokes and just say, Hey, uh, if you guys aren't on board with DEI, we don't do business with you. Is there a middle ground? What is your, what is Eric Goodwin's strategy to, do you chip away at this and it's just take the long view? What, what's the approach? geographic differences and geographic um, uh, challenges, I think, you know, where some parts of the country are more progressive, right? More open-minded, more DEI-driven, other parts of the company that aren't. So we have to look at and break it down on our DEI team that really walked me through um, some very compelling stories. Like, what do you talk about with your kids at the dinner table, Eric, when they were 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or 16? And you say, okay, here's what I talk about with my kids if you're a black mom or dad. And they talk about, you were going to get arrested. You were going to get pulled over for not doing anything. What do you do then? Those are the conversations we have, right? So you put your hands up, you obey, you listen, you call, you do it. And these are the things that they have to talk about. Um, They talk about knowing that they will make less for the same positions. They know that they're going to get harassed or bullied at school. These are the conversations that people have at their tables as just part of their everyday life, which was shocking to me. And we moved it all the way over to how does a good and recruiting company look to um, black and brown people or LGBTQT, you know, folks? Does it, does it are we welcoming? Uh, does our website reflect, you know, who we are as a company? Do our core values reflect that? Do our materials reflect that? Um, all those kind of things. So, we, you know, we've come a long way, uh, thankfully. Um, and, you know, it's opened our eyes, you know, even though best intention, right? You know, like I said, 15 years ago, I started with a site called diversityandhospitality.com. I know so much more now. You know, I'm, I'm an optimistic kind of guy. Uh, so, you know, I'm driven for us, to, for us, you know, to get better there and to keep learning and growing and evolving and hope that we can dispense some of that to our clients. And we like to align ourselves with clients who, you know, believe in the same thing. Yeah, and you touched on one component, which is which is so real, and just skin color. Uh, but DEI is so broad, Eric. Right? I mean, here we have. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, this, here's something I say also. Uh, you know, now almost every day, a couple times a day, eleven point three million jobs for three people. Right? That's what it feels like. There's just this huge mm-hmm. disconnect of mm-hmm. what's available, mm-hmm. and then the the labor market. How many people, Eric, are sidelined because of color or sex or age, the ageism that 
is out there, right? And so that DEI conversation, mm-hmm. a necessary one, and as you said, a regional one, a complicated one, it's awesome that it's something that is uh, at the core of uh, your focus for Goodman. At least at least I think so. Uh, what do you do to decompress? You got a lot spinning in that mind of yours. What is What is something that you do to blow off steam, you know, just disengage? What do, what do you got? Yeah, that's a great question. Interesting. So people around me, you know, friends, family, they're, you know, they see the, you know, the whole world, you know, kind of thing uh, that, that I, that I live in. And they're like, wow, you're remarkably not stressed. Um, my kids say the same thing. And when you're able to work with people who you respect and trust, it's not really very stressful. So part of what I was speaking about earlier in terms of delegating and, and empowering and all that is, you know, developing a great team around you. So, uh, you know, focus on the right things and discard the other stuff. So, you know, I think with our infrastructure and our team and all that, I'm able to spread that out a little bit. So the truth, the truth, the truth of it is the meds are working, right? Let's just cut to the chase. The, the, <laughs> uh, so, so there's uh, a, there's a rumor, there's a rumor that you're a musician. Can we, are you, you play something? Yes. <laughs> let's, let's, let's uh, put some, yeah. let's put some light on this. What, what's your, what's your story? What do you, what do you play? What do you, what are you into? Uh, that might be kind to call me a musician, but yeah. So I play the bass, uh, nice. which was, I kind of just happened on that, uh, when I was a kid, I played the drums for 10 or 12 years. Uh, you know, my kids were encouraging me to, I mean, I'm a huge music fan, right? And they were encouraging me to pick up another hobby or do a hobby kind of thing. And my son started to play, um, you know, lead guitar. And then his best friend, who is like my second son, who actually bought, you know, 360 Intel and Mystery Shop Company, who he worked at since he was 15 years old at. So we started this little, you know, we started to take lessons and, and all that, and we started to, you know, and for me, just a way to connect with my son and spend time with my son. So, I, you know, it was sort of like, well, if you want to be in the band, you got to learn the bass. I'm like, okay, cool. So um, I just learned the bass, and uh, it's a great outlet for me using a different part of my mind. Um, you know, we do lots of cover stuff, of course, but we write our own stuff too. It's just fun. It's a great outlet, and, you know, it's kind of like a team sport in a way. You know, you're kind of relying on each other, and uh, it's fun to play you know, fun to rock out and, and hang with those guys and, and all that. So it's a great outlet for me and a great hobby. I totally dig that. We are, we are kindred spirits. My, my dad was in my band. I'm a, I'm a, right. I'm a yeah, to, yeah. I'm, awesome. a, I'm a hack guitar player, pretty good in the pocket drummer, but I was, I was a lead singer <laughs> for a band. We actually had, had a record, wow. de- record deal back in the day, Eric signed to Columbia, but my, what? Fun, yeah, for real, man. And my, but my dad played percussion in the band. And, uh, wow, yeah, amazing. You have to send me some of that. Uh, it was, it was, it was was totally cool. So I get it. So do you guys keep a, so now, now folks, we get into this. So you're a bass player, man. You just get into the groove and the pocket and this is what keeps you grounded, man. Cause that's, that's, it's all about the bass. So yeah, what I, what I like about the bass is that I'm not the lead guy. It's like for once in my life, right? you know, like I can, I play my role and hold, hold the line. Right. And, uh, it's all fun, right? So it's great. And what is great. the na- what is the name of the Goodwin band? What do you got? Is, let's hear it. Oh, uh, we don't really have a name. No, we're really just a jam band. We play, oh, okay. Yeah, we don't. We 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 think we uh, we we goof around with some names, but uh, I came up with the name Ghost Train. But uh, we kind of use that a little bit. But yeah, but 
anyway, we, uh, which means, I don't know what that means, but I kind of, it's cool. That's but, awesome. Um, yeah. So we, uh, we're always thinking we're going to play out you right. know, our lead guy, our lead guy who's really our, our guitar teacher. He's like, you know, we can definitely play out. And when you guys are ready to gig, you know, go out and gig, but we just kind of never get there. Back in the day, we just, we had to get, we were practicing in our basement in Queens. Eric, you got to get up out of the basement, man. You got to get into the clubs. Yeah. Just get out and do it. Yeah, and then, no, it's a whole different experience. It's a whole different totally. Experience, the, right? the world changes, man. The world changes. And uh, yeah, and yeah. it's, and it's, it's great to, it's great to just do your thing. Right. And just jam because it's beautiful. Uh, it's a whole nother thing when you guys take that energy out and uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be cool. So we'll look for ghost train or TBD whatever the Goodwin band is <laughs> what keeps you up at night in a good way and what keeps you up at night in a bad way mm -hmm. yeah so um we i tell the team all the time like you know we play like we're two touchdowns down all the time right so we still have a very much of a startup feel to our company like never satisfied, very aggressive, very progressive, ambitious goals, you know, that sort of thing. And we've always had that, you know, um, we've never read our press clippings or never felt complacent. I used to have a sign in my office that said uh, stagnation equals death, which was aggressive. And someone once said that's a little harsh. That's a little heavy. That down, but, you know, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little like, okay, like, we get it. Like, uh, ease up a little bit. I like, but, the, know, I really I like the commitment. Fear. I like the commitment to it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So my greatest, my greatest fear is complacency or stagnation, like lack of evolution. So we, we, you know, my job now is to really challenge the team and surround myself with people who like to be challenged. I think that's the most important thing. So people who don't go, ah, like, you know, like here he goes again kind of thing, but like bring it. So, um, so my job is to keep us really forward moving. I don't think people want to, aren't attracted to a stagnant organization. They, I think people are, Laws of attraction, attracted to forward moving, progressive, you know, not sitting on their hands. You see companies come and go, they get lazy, right? So that won't happen. So, yeah, so things that, you know, will keep me up at night is, you know, we've been in business for 23 years now, right? So that's a long time. And, um, you know, I'm always um, setting new goals, new expectations, and ensuring that we're innovating all the time that we're challenging ourselves. I, I believe in the laws of attraction and I believe that no one, I mean, it's all about having great people on your team, right? So I don't think people are attracted to an organization that's stagnant or going backwards. Right. So for us, we always want to be forward moving. And I always say you're either, you know, you're growing on the vine or you're dying on the vine. There's zero in between. So for us, we'll always be growing on the vine. So those are things I worry about. I don't ever want our quality of work to slip, our passion, like a driving passion to be the best to slip. And I don't ever want us to become complacent, right? So that's on that side of things. On, on the good side of things, what keeps me up is, you know, I'm a super fortunate, you know, person. I, I have amazing teams. I get to work with smart people. You know, I think that we're recognized as, you know, if not best in class, you know, pretty close to best in class and all the things that I do. And, um, you know, I've been able to, like I said, you know, I'm a person of average or below average intelligence and not a good student and, you know, all these sort of things, a dishwasher and kind of a rough upbringing kind of thing. So for me to be able to um, have been able to achieve that quality of life balance and be moderately successful is you know, I'm incredibly blessed.
I think it's beautiful that you're you're able to be at a point in your life, Eric, or maybe it's just your personality where you can actually step back and appreciate everything that you just shared. That's really cool. I think it, at least it is. Sure it, it it is for me. But sometimes people have their head down and they just they they can't see that big picture and appreciate mm-hmm. the moments. And it sounds like you've moved through. Those, from those dishwasher years to that family business, which we know is in, intense, to a startup where it was just you, to now 265 uh, staff and growing uh, with your other businesses. There's a serial entrepreneur there. I mean, you say, uh, not that smart a guy. Well, you're, you're, you're doing something right. Uh, and then, uh, and, and it may just be the base. It may all come down to just, play, <laughs> to just lock, locking maybe. it down. <laughs> just keeping maybe, it simple. There's, man. A, there's a lot to that. I, I do keep it simple. And I, right. you know, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, one thing that I do well is that I, I keep us, uh, grounded and try to do the, the fundamentals real well. That's, I think that's, uh, yeah, you're 90% there if you show up every day. Yeah, do the fundamentals well. Love it. Love it. Well, Eric Goodwin, thanks so much for taking the time. You and I only tried to do this since last October. <laughs> I know. Uh, crazy. So there's something about uh, sticking to it and tenacity, and we, we finally pulled it off. So thanks again for carving out the time. I know I asked you to stop pacing, so I put some constraints on you. It's uh, so, a tough one for me. It's a tough one. I totally, I totally get it, and I so <laughs> appreciate you uh, just sharing with us today. So thanks so much, Eric. Of course. Yeah, I'm grateful for for the time and good to connect with you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Many of us know just how drastically the job market has changed and continues to change, and it's happening at a pace we've not seen in decades. What the nature of work will look like is something no one quite has the answer for just yet. One thing seems to come through the fog of it all, and that is the fact that people are taking a long, hard look at what they do, how they do it, and Who are they doing it for anyway? If you enjoy No Bed of Roses, and I hope you do, may I ask you consider sharing the link to the show with your friends and family and shout us out across your social channels. We'd certainly appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe. And remember, you'll find No Bed of Roses wherever you find fine podcasts and at our website, nobedofrosespodcast.com. Thanks. See you soon. Bye.